This episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Blue Bridge Games. For the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else, head to Grand Rapids, Michigan's friendliest local game store, Blue Bridge Games. Blue Bridge Games carries an extensive line of board games, card games, role-playing tabletop games, Magic the Gathering, and more. Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at bluebridgegames.com. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. So you can come and talk around our water cooler. We're watching all day and all night. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa. Podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name, because if we ever wanted to fake our own death or deaths in order to get one over on some scheming blue bloods, we would at least want a name that would be remembered. Fair? I'm the blogger in question and the self-styled cheap couch potato. My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and the unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU, exclamation point, hopes have been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays, and as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to the website or the podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, via Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and now Amazon Music to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including, but not limited to, Supernatural, Orange is the New Black, Gotham, The Marvel Shows on Netflix, Stranger Things, iZombie, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, The Good Place, The Crown, Game of Thrones, American Horror Story, Grace and Frankie, Mr. Robot, and Charmed. Plus, new episodes are in the works, including revisits for Altered Carbon, Doctor Who, Schitt's Creek, Westworld, Fuller House, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, how to Get Away with Murder, Will and Grace, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the DCTU series panel will catch up on the first two seasons of Black Lightning, and the Star Trek 50 Plus series will talk season three of The Next Generation. We'll be launching new panels covering Outlander, the Breaking Bad universe, This Is Us, The Orville, Big Little Lies, The Good Doctor, Call the Midwife, and The Animaniacs. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll revisit one of the all-time and most-watched classic sitcoms, M.A.S.H., we'll become embroiled in all of the crazy plot twists of revenge, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap, we'll thank the Golden Girls for being friends, and we'll cry Bazinga for Big Bang Theory. By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic-cons, and game stores. Plus, we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in these semi-quarantine times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to the website, our YouTube channel, our Apple iTunes channel, our Stitcher Radio channel, or find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. In the meantime, if you don't hear your show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews and we always seek new panelists. So if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of those outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback. Just refrain, please, from kidnapping, torture, 
framed murder or Machiavellian power plays if you would. A simple conversation can do wonders. I'm sure you would agree. Today we're around the water cooler and resuming coverage of CW dark teen drama Riverdale, which is now part of our regular water cooler lineup. Also continuing in her role as editor of CPU's own Riverdale yearbook, i.e. the moderation of this continuing discussion around mystery and intrigue, is our one and only Sarah. In today's episode, Sarah returns to the moderating microphone accompanied by returning panelists Emily, Micah, Jessica, Nate, and me, kicking back as a panelist myself. Note, one of our previous Riverdale panel residents took part of the podcast for Life's Greater Journeys. We're going to lead our discussion of Season 4 of Riverdale, which aired from October 9th, 2019 to May 6th, 2020, with a total of 19 episodes after Season 4 production was shut down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome back Sarah to the moderating microphone. Take it away, Sarah. Hello, potatoes. Let's get it going. Riverdale is based loosely on the Archie comics and the general Archie universe. Riverdale began airing on the CW in January 2017 and showed us our beloved Archie characters with a dark twist. Season 4 featured many plot points, including mysterious videotapes appearing on doorsteps, Jughead attending a swanky private school, Archie dealing with the death of his father and opening a youth center, and the cliffhanger from season three. Who killed Jughead? Or did anybody kill Jughead? Or what happened there? We don't know. So we have a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. You'll be asked to identify yourself by first name only. Remind us how you found CPU and came to watch Riverdale. And then you'll be asked to rank yourself as one of the following characters from Riverdale. You'll love this show because of the great depiction of small town living, both the good and the bad. Since, after all, you are a small town girl or guy at heart, even though you have a secret dark side like Betty Cooper. You think this show is a breath of fresh air, a refreshing change for most of the emotionally turbulent things you've been exposed to. Although you secretly like getting your hands dirty, like Veronica Lodge. You like this show, but have a somewhat complex relationship with it, given the fact that your father has just died in a hit and run, like Archie Andrews. This show, oh, R.I.P., you know. This show sucks. Everyone thinks it's so great, but you see it for the gritting, disturbing portrayal it really is. And frankly, if you're going to attend some preppy school where the only way out is faking your own death, you will like Jughead Jones. It's fine. Everything is fine. The show is fine. You are the shining example of perfection and not even having to quit your rum business partnership can get you down. As long as you can have your lady love by your side and do a sexually charged dance in the diner for your principal, like Cheryl Blossom. Look, you sort of like this show, but it's not really on your radar. You are coexisting with it because you must, but you are really more interested in your side business as a tickle video star and producer like Kevin Keller. You didn't even watch the show, as you were busy trying to run this weird school in a respectable way for once. Like Mr. Honey. Who wants to go first? Hello, everyone. I'm Micah. Hi, Micah. Um, I joined, I, I joined, I took my spot on the couch back in 2015, I want to say, on the Once Upon a Time podcast. Great panel, great show. Dig into the archives if you, if you feel inclined. And I came, I don't remember exactly what got me to watch Riverdale. I think it was just the first season dropped on Netflix, and I've been hearing people talk about it here and there. So I dived into the ice-cold waters of this show, and I, oh, that was, that was going to be a really sad metaphor where, never mind. I like the show. It's a good show. I'm going to keep watching the show. And as far as my character compass, I am 
going to take up that great ship of Veronica and Archie, because I'm feeling vibes from both of those this time around. Thanks, Micah. Who wants to go next? Hi, I'm Emily. Emily. I, Hi, Emily. Like, <laughs> like Micah, I too joined CPU with Once Upon a Time. We were on that panel together. It was a ton of fun. I came to watch Riverdale because somebody else suggested it to me. So I was like, man, we'll give it a try. Why not? And I got hooked. And now we're here with this season. I will say that I'm probably an Archie. I kind of shifted a little bit and I'm only picking one. This is like a huge shocker. If you know me and have listened to any other podcast, <laughs> I usually pick two to three, but I'm feeling kind of Archie-ish after this season. So I don't know, maybe it's just because everything kind of ended weird with COVID and everything, or I don't know. So we'll talk about it. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. Sarah yeah. gave you the stink eye, Emily, when you talked about picking multiple noises. <laughs> Yeah, it's my pet peeve. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Hi, everybody. I'm Nate. Hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. I came to the couch through indirectly Sarah's beautiful husband, Nick. He posted that they were looking for somebody to talk about this show. And I was, I've been on board with this show since I heard about it in Entertainment Weekly. So I was already, I wait till it comes out on Netflix so I can watch it all at once and not have to wait week to week like some kind of chump. So I've been a huge fan. And my character compass, I would say that I am Betty Cooper because if I think of any show that helps illustrate what it's like to grow up in a small town, Riverdale nails it every single time. From Jingle Jangle to Dark Arts, that's small town life, folks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you nate i'm gonna call shenanigans right now <laughs> <laughs> so i grew up so hi i'm jessica hi jessica. jessica i came to find cpu through micah because i was his ride to the once panels quite often and i sat very quietly and now i get to talk which is wonderful <laughs> well, very appreciative of that thank you you're welcome <laughs> for this one I am with Emily and I'm an Archie. This season just kind of was okay, but ended up leaving kind of that weird taste in your mouth at the end. So I don't know. I think the whole having to end early because of quarantine kind of swayed how I felt with this season. Awesome. Thanks, Jessica. You're welcome. Well, I get to go next because Sarah's moderating and she gets to go last and that's how it works. <laughs> So I already talked, but my name is Kylie, and I found CPU because I started it. I, I brought the couch to the people, as it were. That sounds really hoity-toity, but we have a couch, and I said, hey, everybody come sit on the couch, and that's how it worked. I have previously been Archie for Riverdale. I will remain Archie. I would like to remind our illustrious Riverdale panelists that when I was sitting down for the season three discussion, y'all were like, season four is like so much better. It's so much better than it was. Oh my gosh, it's the greatest. You're gonna love it. You're gonna go to five stars. Holy smokes. That didn't happen. To be fair, <laughs> when I made that assumption, I had only seen like the first few episodes. Okay. And so I take everything back that I said on the last panel. <laughs> okay. I take it all back. I take it all back. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> from one-eyed Willie's well. <laughs> I guess. That's a, that's a way back reference. Yes, so to me season four is a lot 
of the same. You know, I enjoyed parts of it. I didn't enjoy parts of it. I don't have a problem with the way it ended. I thought they have done better than some shows with the quarantine shutdown, so I'm not entirely upset with it. But the season as a whole was slow for me, so we'll talk about it. Thanks, Kylie. You're welcome. Hi, Lass. Hi, y'all. I'm Sarah. Hi, and Sarah. I found this podcast through Kylie because we are friends from way back in the day from the theater scene. A lot of us in here are involved in that scene in one way or the other. Well, Nate, Nate does improv stuff, comedy stuff. But yep. Jessica, are you a theater person? I used to be a theater person. There you go. I'm that too counts. Self-confident. Not self. I'm too not self-confident. <laughs> I'm too confident for these poor black. <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> well, but that, I do help with behind-the-scenes stuff, like all the oh, gotcha. stage and stuff. And well, that's how I found this podcast because that's why I found Kylie. And I think I was on the inaugural podcast of Doctor Who, which I'm still on that podcast. That one just keeps going. But I started watching Riverdale because my college roommate, Sarah Habel, played Miss Grundy in the first two seasons. So I watch everything she is in because I love her. She's great. And I, for this season, am also Archie Andrews. I, I like this show, but I have a somewhat complex relationship with it, which, you know, we'll get to. There's a lot to unpack. So let's talk about season four, just kind of in general right now. What did you like? What did you dislike? You can be specific or you can just give your general impressions. Let's have it. So at first I didn't like Stonewall prep, but it really grew on me. And I think that that was my favorite like part of it. Also, the guy that played either Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, I can never remember which from once was the teacher from it, from Stonewall. Yep. Sam Witwer, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Excellent actor. Every time he shows up in a show, it's there's always some kind of flip. So this when I when he came onto the show, I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> the grenade pin has been pulled out. Let's do this. He was on Supergirl. He's been on Smallville. He was in Being Human, the American version. He's, he's kind of one of those actors that shows up on a lot of the nerdy vehicles, and once he's there, we're all like, yes, Sam Witwer! So I was happy to see him. That that plot of the Stonewall prep made me think of the movie The Skulls. Did you guys ever see that movie with Joshua Jackson from Dawson's mm-hmm. Creek? No? No I one? I love Joshua Jackson. Yes. I love Joshua Jackson. I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're watching yeah. Joshua, tweet at us at CPU Podcast. <laughs> We would love to hear from you. (laughs) Not watching, listening. Right. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't, it reminded me of that movie where there was, like, kind of a secret society and, like, hijinks happens. But that leads me to another Dawson's Creek alum, Kerr Smith, who played Mr. Honey. And it really speaks to me how old I am now that somebody that was playing a high school student when I was, like, a late high school college student is now playing the principal of the school. <laughs> but he was also on Charmed, too. The, the OG Charmed, you guys. So you'll see him there as well. I definitely oh. thought the Stonewall prep arc was more... It was a return to structure. The like, first season, obviously, very structured. It was probably written before any filming happened. Second season, it was still a decent amount of structure with the Black Hood. Gives you a nice serial feeling for the season. Season three was just... It was like they themselves were running... a. Griffins and Gargoyles campaign and just rolling dice and saying, well, that's the plot now. And we just had to roll with it. But the Stonewall prep arc and like Jughead trying to infiltrate the 
Quill and Skull? Skull and Quill. Quill and Skulls. Skulls. That was it. Was it was a lot easier to digest. I kind of knew a little bit more what to expect until you know people start jumping out of windows. <laughs> yeah, I thought this season, kind of going back to like season three, it just like for a little bit, it did feel really structured. I think what kind of bothered me was that the whole the whole plot with Jughead being dead, like finished up when it did because then there was only a few episodes left to get to the end of the season and it was like where are you going to go with these last five or six episodes like it didn't feel like that was going to be enough to do anything so that was kind of weird to me I thought that that was going to be something they were going to kind of carry out closer to the end of the season I do know that they also like were finished the season ended before it was really supposed to because of hashtag thanks corona but I thought that was like kind of the weirdest thing to me I did I liked that whole plot twist. I thought that was kind of nice. Just in general, the whole season felt just kind of disconnected for me. I liked it better than season three. I think it was on par-ish with seasons one and two. But there were still just some things that strained my patience, I think, over the course of the season. Because Jughead is my favorite character in the end, and I think I'm pretty consistent there, I was more interested in the Stonewall prep stuff, but didn't necessarily like everything that I was watching. And I agree, Emily, it ended in a really weird spot. Like, they were getting ready to switch gears, I guess, with episodes left that they maybe could have filmed for COVID-19, you know, but for COVID-19, when maybe they should have stretched that out a little bit further. But on the flip side, I did not like Veronica's storyline at all. The whole back and forth with her dad. I mean, I was glad somebody called up Electra Complex because that's so what it is. And it was kind of icky to watch. And frankly, Mark Consuelos has not earned my love. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just not feeling Hiram Lodge at all. And then Marisol Nichols is clearly phoning it in because she's ready to be off the show, which we all know now she's going to be. So who's Veronica's parents going to be in the end? I don't know. There was just a lot. It was messy. It felt messy to me. I thought it started really strong. The, the episode, I messaged the group when this happened. I watched the season premiere, which was dedication to Luke Perry. And of course, it had spoiler, 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 a cameo from Shando, Shannon Doherty. And that made me cry like the entire 60 minutes. But then it was from kind of a little bit downhill from there for me. I want I, I to like this show because there are parts of it that I do get myself emotionally involved in. But then something takes me right back out of it. And I'm like, well, okay, so there that happened. Hashtag Riverdale. Yeah, let's talk about some of the main plot lines of the show because you guys have listed some of them. So we have the mysterious videotapes appearing on the doorsteps, which I love that it's videotapes. That's very old school. And that was that was significant. I like that. We have Archie opening the youth center and all of that going on there. We have the FBI junior training program. Uh, What? And Stonewall Academy, among other things. So and the farm. What? And the end of, yeah, the, the, farm. End of the farm. Mm-hmm. The end of the farm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And meeting Grandpa Jones. We met Grandpa. Who yep. we find out was a writer. Prolific young writer. And then yep. things went down and his whole life spiraled out from there, which is super great. Like all good writers, really, at the end of the day. I liked the videotapes when they started because it was, it did feel very much like the Black Hood, 
like phone calls, but in once again videotapes like that's so it's so specific. Anytime you use some like old school imagery, it's it just makes something pop more. And I really liked that. And then they just stopped. And I was yeah. like, this was like the murder hornets of twenty twenty. <laughs> Where did they go? Where did they come from? It's a, it's a real, we're going to call that the cotton-eyed Joe maneuver when you don't know what happened to the plot. Where you wonder yeah. where, in fact, they came from and where they go. Yeah. yeah. They would have been married yeah. a long time ago if they'd finished the videotape arc in a timely fashion. But, that was something that I was really hoping was going to turn into something great. This was our favorite quote from our Once Upon a Time panel. It had hashtag potential. Take a drink. But I felt like it just was like, okay, never mind, just kidding, like... We didn't really want to do that. And then they like threw in the whole Jughead plot. And then that just ended abruptly. And so it was, that's like a lot of where everything was just feeling really disconnected for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, then they, they kind of with the videotapes, they were trying to make it seem like it was, what is that character's name? All I can think of is Shannon Purser as the actress, but. Oh, Ethel Muggs. Ethel. Yeah. yeah. So then it was, it was like, ooh, it's Ethel. And then there's that guy with the creepy back room of all the, like, videotapes and, like, sex the tapes and weirdness. Yeah. 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 Yep. Small town life. They, it yeah. is not small town life. <laughs> small town life. Crazy for your video store. God bless America. Nate was actually raised in Riverdale, for those of you listening. <laughs> Where we were taught to love Walter White. Yes. <laughs> Let's say, Jessica, maybe you just grew up in the season one Betty Cooper version of your small town. I guess. I mean, we have a Batman in my small town, so maybe he was our Black Hood. Who knows? All right. We're going to be doing a separate podcast all about what that story is. Yeah. Tweet us at CPU Podcast and I'll tell you. Fair. Jessica. <laughs> it was also a that little bit un unrealistic because, okay, hidden cameras, I get but a camcorder across the street from your house for hours on end. Someone is going to see that and be like, is that, is that a camcorder? And, <laughs> like, you're going to get discovered. So I was, that was a little less plausible, but I, I accepted it. Willing suspension of disbelief. I agree. I think that that would stick out more. I mean, even if somebody had a phone pointed at your house, you would be more dismissive of that than if somebody were holding even the smallest of handheld camcorders in this the year of our lord 2020 it would it would it would recreate too many red flags that's the other thing i was just i like other people on this podcast just finished watching up this season this weekend and watching the episode where the archies perform for the talent show and they show that whole crowd picture with everybody holding like actual video cameras i was like what year are we in <laughs> Nobody's gonna do that. And Jughead's like voiceover. I wonder who's gonna who among us is the is the voyeur. And I'm like, why are we holding video cameras? I was very confused. Yeah, the only thing I can think is that they're really going for this timeless time period. They're trying not to be just in the years 2019, 2020. They're trying to just be this ambiguous time yeah. era, maybe. Yeah. I mean, kind yeah. of. But then they also show their parents back in the 80s and stuff. So I, I don't know. It's yeah. kind of like it's something they've set up that they do, but we have to just get on board with it. And I... I yeah, it's it's odd because, I mean, not to cut you off, but the, the whole thing is like, because like you say, there's a, they'll have a VCR and everyone apparently owns a vintage car in Riverdale 
Like everybody, like I have not seen like there's nobody, nobody's even heard the word hybrid in that town. <laughs> they all drive like '57 Chevys. They all drive like Dodge, you know, like Dodge Darts from like 1972. All pristine. It's like Cuba in Riverdale. They're all vintage autos with like Audi engines, you know. But again, now we're balking like VCR. What? When does this take place? It is a weird mishmash of all of Americana. Mm-hmm. It's like every small town. But they do have cell phones that they use, so they can't really 100% commit to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the new Norman Rockwell. Everyone is sitting around that Thanksgiving dinner staring at their phones. <laughs> well, I, I was going to bring up two things. First of all, I don't know if you've noticed, but the phones are not the generation of phone that is current to the time right. so mm-hmm. they're they're really playing fast and loose with this and i think they're it might be deliberate on their part trying to obfuscate time periods so that we we don't think about it too hard although apparently that's not working very well and the second thing is it did seem they were going to come back around to the videotape place because that's where the season ended but that is one of my biggest criticisms on this season is they started off with one thing they kind of diverted, and it turns out that that jug, Jughead storyline, which is where the third season left off, is a completely separate storyline. So they dropped a bunch of different things in the initial part of this season, but chose only to focus on one. And that was, it was a different tack for them. They don't normally do that. But then it also ended up feeling very, it was very disjointed and like they did not, keep track of a larger plan that they had if that makes sense. yeah it mm-hmm. it did feel like they didn't know where that was gonna go that jughead thing they just wanted to end season three with a bang and then they were writing to fill in the plot problems that they created yeah because i loved the way that season three ended i thought that was such a great cliffhanger and then the way it kind of all started back up and then yeah it was like they were like oh crap we actually have to write this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now we have to fill in these bangs. Jumping off of something Emily said a few minutes back, she talked about when the Archies performed, which I like to call sexual tension the musical. <laughs> the things that really annoyed me about this season is that they went full steam ahead, plugging the possibility of Barchi, and then they choked they chickened out, and I'm mad at them because I think it would have made a better show. Yep. Season one or two, I was not for Barchi at all. I liked this new Veronica. She's a more sympathetic character than the comic character ever was, at least in my eyes. But, like, by the end of season three, it was just kind of like, yeah. Plus, she had that whole thing with Reggie, and they also, like, just threw that in the trash. They throw Reggie in the trash a lot. I'm feeling kind of bad for him. He's, he's lovely. I mean, not really, but, like, I do feel sorry for him, and he's nice to look at, so... Yeah, and his dad is, like, a monster, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, No, I, like, I wanted more, I wanted more Barchi. Like, even if you have it all done by the end of the season, like, commit to it. It was just, it was a tease. It was, and I, I love Barchi. I support it. I feel like I was getting kind of tired of Bughead, TBH. Some of that, it just felt like... It just felt like the connection wasn't there between them anymore. Maybe it's because they broke up in real li- real life, which was sad. Because I did love Cole Sprouse and Lily. Why am I? Yeah, I'm like I'm just totally blanked on her last name. I almost called her Lily Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's not right. <laughs> but maybe it's because they broke up in real life. I think that honestly, if the writer, like that would have been a kind of nice opportunity for the writers to then go full steam ahead with Barchi, but they did not. And like Micah said, they totally chickened out. It was like, okay, can we do it? Maybe let's try. It. Nope, just kidding. Like, never mind. Never mind. We take that back. <laughs> You know, I don't what? like Barchi. I, don't I like, like Barchi. I I don't I I don't like it. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy their interactions. It seemed forced to me, and it seemed contrived. And I do think the problem is that like Lily and Cole have such a palpable chemistry. I didn't know they broke up. I couldn't tell. I still felt them like really being together and so I don't buy that she would be with Archie I just didn't think those two had a good mix I have to agree with Sarah a little bit just because I think if they'd interspersed the Barchi potentiality a little bit more last season for example I might have come along for the ride and they explained it a little bit you know like oh we're just scared of the unknown in the future and I'm comfortable with you and you're comfortable with me. I mean, that sounded nice in the moment, but at the end, when they didn't go through with it, when they chickened out, as you say, it felt very hollow and forced. So I agree with, I actually agree with both. I do think they chickened out, but I think that it was hollow and forced and it didn't work. I just want these kids to like, you know, take some time for themselves, figure out who and what they want. I mean, they're at that age. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, you don't have to, like, crawl in the bed with your friends. Just be <laughs> friends. You're getting ready to go to college. Let's do this thing. That's my thing. Yeah. Cheryl actually has the most stable relationship in all of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And that's questionable. <laughs> no, because, I mean, honestly, your girlfriend tells you she wants to have her dead brother live in the house, and you're okay with that? Marry that girl. Maybe we shouldn't keep our dead funny. twin in the house. If anybody is, passes uh, the cadaver test, you put a ring on it right then and there. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, exactly. Dance will deliver. They're gonna. St- that is ride or die, and apparently after die. <laughs> there is a difference a, between stable and sane, Jessica. I think Nate is right. It is a stable relationship. Oh, it's not healthy. Some, it's stable they accept each other's quirkiness like living with your dead brother or drugging people you know would that's, be poisoning your mom that's the fire and ice you know tony yeah. is just like normal and then cheryl's like crazy pants so they balance <laughs> each other out hopefully she is a delight where are those twins that they're raising Who's, where are they? I don't think they should be at that house. That's not good. I want to have a dead twin brothers and crazy Nana Roses. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nana Rosa break. She's old. Oh, I love Nana Rose. <laughs> She's old. If they ever take Nana Rose off the show, I will be extremely sad. I was also going to say, I don't know how not crazy Tony really is because she's got her own. She's got That's her own thing. stuff going on. It's just different stuff from Cheryl, and Cheryl's much more obvious about it. If there is a season, if there is another season, you know, who knows with how things work. I know they're supposed to be back in production, but they need, there needs to be a heavier Tony arc, honestly. There's a lot to chew on with her backstory and everything that we just don't, like, we only get like a little peek for what we know about her. You guys remember when she had her own gang that was all girls and they didn't give any of those girls names because they knew they were going to throw the story away? 
Yeah. We've kind of covered the next question, which was to check in with the young talent. We've really checked in with a lot of them, but I want to ask you about this tickle ring, tickle video ring. I was so uncomfortable. I don't. I was so uncomfortable. Is this a real Uh, thing? I'm asking the youths in this panel. Okay, so number one, I thought that felt like something completely out of left field and dumb. I hated it. It was awful. It's 100% a real thing. There is a documentary, and I don't remember exactly what it's called. I think it's just called Tickled. I want to say it's on Hulu. I watched it. It's freaky. It's really disturbing and weird. So Not that we're judging them- anybody. Not that we're judging anybody. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, I like live your life. Safe do what you want to do. Safe Not something I'm interested in. Freak flag fly. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was crazy. So for them to include that plot line in this season, I was like, what are you doing? Why is this happening? This is weird. Not not good. It was yeah. uncomfortable the entire time. Yeah, I it thought was it was fake. I, I didn't know that it was a real thing. I was like, people don't want to watch that. Weird. Just a they very do. odd <laughs> story to give Kevin. They're just like, yeah. And why Kevin? Go. What? Yeah. I said, why Kevin? What did yeah, he do Kevin? to deserve that? He has been through enough. He got left behind by the farm. I'm a little Think concerned that they tied it to the one of the only couple of gay characters on the show. Is it? Yeah, it's like as if he doesn't have enough to deal with. You get to carry the gay community and the tickle video community. <laughs> right. Which, if they weren't watching the show before, they're watching it now. Is, is it? It's not a sex thing. Is it a sexual uh, thing? I don't know. It's a In Riverdale, it was not meant to be a sex thing. Yeah, okay. but because of a lovely website, which abbreviations are OF, it is a sex thing. Oh, with all of the Black Lives Matter movement stuff, I was really kind of upset that they did that for Kevin because there's also been a lot of issues. People have complained. Even the actress that plays Tony, she's had issues and she's come forward and talked about the issues that she's had on the show and the way that she's felt that she's been treated on the show. So then for them to take Kevin, the only gay character, and like put him into this spot, I thought was kind of distasteful. And and speaking of the black characters, they shipped off Mad Dog Mm -hmm. like right away. Like... He's going to Notre Dame, and apparently he moved to South Bend that afternoon because you never see him after yeah. that game. Like, yeah. like, come on, everybody. Let's go. South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame. Grandma, cousin, <laughs> whom I live with, I guess. There's a little brother. I can't remember. Yeah, you know, little brother was there. Yeah, the, let's all hop in. I was hop just so shocked that Notre Dame existed in this universe. <laughs> so, yeah. What universe are we in? <laughs> It was interesting that they did start talking about like all of these actual schools like Jughead going to the University of Iowa and Harvard and it was interesting. I don't know how much I liked that because everything else is so fictional that I would have liked for them to have like made some random schools up. Yeah, and apparently one of the writers went to the University of Iowa because one of Jughead's lines is like, it has one of the best writing programs in the country. University of Iowa. Tell him Riverdale sent you. <laughs> All right, guys, stop sending me alumni donation requests. I just plugged you on a national syndicated TV show. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about some of the adults then, because we haven't gotten into a lot of their storylines. But we know, you know, Luke Perry passed away in real life, which was during season three, but they didn't address it until season four. And... You know, Molly Ringwald, Molly Ringwald took more of a 
larger role this season. We still have Madchen Amick, Marisol Nicholsky, Ulrich, Mark Consuelos, and Kerr Smith. Hello. So, (laughs) I I really enjoyed his performance, and I didn't really, I thought his character was, like, not that important and kind of maybe almost annoying at times. But I did think it was like, well, yeah, he's just trying to do his job. Like, this school is crazy. What's going on here? Nobody's getting an education. But can we talk about, I think, the worst writing choice they've made in the series to date? Random secretary speech about all the cool stuff he's been doing that they showed not even back... back background of a scene you didn't even like see him like talking to someone with the arm around in a back shot of a scene like what yes what 100 percent yes that was some iowa writing there thank you <laughs> i know that was do you want me to sing that song from music man real quick just get some iowa spirit in here just kidding i won't do it <laughs> Iowa kind, a special chip-of-the-shoulder writing style. Yes, we like it. Yeah, I, I hated that. I hated it so much. I was like, you could have just showed him being cool if he was going to be cool. You don't get to retcon him into being a good person. Yes, yes, exactly. And then they had it be from, like, a matronly old secretary. Like, I've been in Riverdale for 80 years. <laughs> like, where were you then with all the medieval weaponry? <laughs> Role-playing game stuff. You should be a fountain of information. But now you're here to tell me that a principal was nice even though you didn't like him. Wow. I agree with so all of that. <laughs> I agree with all of that. And I lost my thought. But it had to do with Kerr Smith. Oh, and Skeet already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kerr Smith. I thought there was a lot of potential with Mr. Honey. And then he really just was... A mustache twirler, which was very boring. <laughs> and then in the end, yeah. also, the, you know, they've also announced that Skeet Ulrich is leaving as a series regular, and he's he'll be a recurrer, but he was my other favorite adult besides Luke Perry, and yeah. now the, he's leaving. I mean, this is, this is not boding well for my further future Riverdale love, because the adult characters are really kind of what gives me the balance on the show. And when they yeah. do stupid stuff, the kids call them out. When the kids do stupid stuff, they're there to swoop in and make everything all right. I mean, that's that's kind of the flavor of the Archie comics coming through. And without that, I'm finding that it's turning rapidly into kind of even more trashy soap opera than it was before. I love Skeet Ulrich, and I think he is aging like a fine wine. I really appreciate <laughs> I was really sad to hear that him and Marisol were leaving the show less so about Marisol because she hasn't been a huge player in the last season but I love Ski Ulrich so much and I was really sad and I'm kind of curious to see where they're going to take his plot line and how that's all going to play out or maybe they're just going to use him less maybe they just yeah say anything and they'll just not write as much for him is my guess yeah well because from what i was reading it's he made it sound like he was like done with the show completely but from what we just talked about he's just not going to be a series regular anymore so i'm not sure what they're going to do or what's actually happening i love the fact that fp has his own arc that's been flushed out Mm -hmm. for all of the seasons and i love how one of the most redeeming qualities of this season was how they reflected 
Jughead against his dad, against his grandfather, because even though the Stonewall prep storyline was kind of all over the place and not with the whole Hardy Boys skew and, and all that business, I love the fact that they brought it to a personal level with the characters. And because Jughead was, spoiler, 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 faking his death to kind of get back at those Stonewall goonies. In the end, it, it ended up being very interesting that there was a personal stake in it, and FP was so instrumental to that because he was all like, my father left me and I hate him, and then it turns out he had a good reason for leaving me, and I don't know. I, I just, there's so much grounding and heart that came with both Luke Perry and Skeet. I don't know how the show is going to make up for that. Yeah. yeah. What I found it, interesting is Keith Ulrich said that, you know, he felt he had gone as far as he could go with the character. And I just think that he's right in some context, but I mean, he should feel pretty lucky because he's got, as the adult characters go, his is like the richest, most flavorful character in the adult cast. Everybody else is like, you get you get a little inkling, a little crumb here and there, but it's like, you feel like you know FP. Like you, there's somebody, there's an FP in everybody's life, and that's just small town America. And aside from Archie and his dad's relationship, Jughead and FP's relationship is my other favorite parent child relationship because they've been such a huge support system for each other. And the way that their relationship has grown and changed throughout the show, I think it's the one with the best arc and the best, some of the best writing behind it. And so I'm really worried to see how things kind of play out now that he's not going to be as big of a character on the show because he's one of my favorites. To touch on Marisol Nichols really quick. I don't, and maybe this contributes to why she's leaving the show. I haven't been pleased with her character, not her performance, but her character since season two. When yeah. Hiram was still the faceless villain in the shadows, Hermione was an amazing character. The thing with her and Fred, riveting. I wanted more of it. Oh, Hiram's coming back. This is going to be the best triangle ever. Oh, wait. No, it's not. We're just going to throw it away. Again. She was, it was like, it was like a really cool dog with a lot of personality. And then the owner shows up and it just right to his side, never does anything, never, like, it wasn't even, like, a house of cards, that husband and wife dynamic, there's still, like, there's, there's, there's meat there, there's, there's electricity, she just became a sidekick instantaneously, and I haven't cared really about anything that happened to her since then, and that's, that's, the, once again, that's, that's in the writing, I don't think Marisol Nichols has done a bad job by any, by any stretch of the imagination it's it's funny you say that because that's what literally happens here in season three i mean because you know when hiring came back she immediately went to his side and then this time you know her and veronica are staying firm girl power and all that and then it's like as soon as they're alone together and they're face to face she's like i immediately regret this hiram's moving back in and, and you know and she went right back to being with him it was just it was just repetitive and I can respect that. I can respect that. What you just described—that back and forth thing—if they were doing that as a meaningful arc of like, sometimes you are completely Stockholmed with the person who is toxic in your life. That's not how they've portrayed it at all. No, no, yeah. yeah they, it just they, makes they, it they boring. Harley Quinn, Mister J. 
Yeah, we didn't get any of that. It just makes it boring to watch because they keep going back to him no matter what. Like, both yeah. her and her daughter keep saying, this is the last time I rid myself of him. And they just go back. And it's really boring and it makes me not like Hiram, although he's a he's an interesting character, but I don't know. I They need some new writing for, for the whole Lodge family. Because yeah. it's hard to really be interested in them. And it's also really hard. I know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm like the realist here. But it's really hard to believe Veronica's running like three businesses. And she still has these great grades. And she's a river vixen and all this nonsense. When does this person sleep? I don't understand. I'm trying to run a small business. And I have a full-time job. And that's it. And I feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> so it's like, I don't understand how this high school student that's doing all of these extracurriculars and running three businesses like what yep oh i wanted to mention that that you know we're talking a lot about the writing and i think it's completely valid and i have said that probably from moment one about riverdale but my favorite episode of this season was the one featuring gina torres who was playing the guidance counselor Mm -hmm. where she was breaking down each of their oh it was so memorable i've got a lot of quizzical looks No, Gina I know Torres. what you're talking about. I don't remember. Yeah. Say more things. Gina Torres, who was in Firefly. You know. Is she from Angel? And Angel. She was in Angel, yeah. too. Yeah. She played the guidance counselor, and she sat down with each of the main characters and talked them through what could possibly be informing their various problems and solutions with how to go about it. And Jugheads was the briefest, because he was probably the most sane, but she had to break down the other three a lot. And she broke down Betty and her yeah, mom. And her mom admitted that Betty was her favorite child and she loved her the most. Yeah. yeah. That one. Which, to be fair, I mean, I've never been a big fan of Polly myself. Polly so. <laughs> <laughs> is where she should be, which is in a mental hospital getting treatment for her mental illness. An actual mental hospital. Not yes. The not the farm. Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not there. Speaking of running a lot of businesses, they got a full-blown cult going. They're doing actual, apparent, like, adoption agency stuff. They're doing conversion therapy in the basement. I mean, it's a big building, but come on. Like, who's who's the facilities manager of that place? There's, there's too, many, too many plates to spin. Well, Edgar Evernever's dead now. Bye, guy. So from you could say he really never will. What? He's I was being a smart aleck. What I like about that is no one questioned it, really. You know, they're like, oh my god, he's harvesting organs? Oh, they just picked up and moved in the middle of the night, virtually disappearing? Oh, he's going to go on a rocket ship. Okay. <laughs> As hey, is Edgar and Edgar. By that time, they were used to it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's her name? The wife who played a teenager. Wife daughter? Yeah, wife yeah. daughter. Is Evelyn. Evelyn never, never, right. Messing with Betty from jail because she's got an axe to grind. I don't know. I was glad that they ended the farm mm-hmm. story. It was time. It was time to say goodbye to that nonsense. Long past time. Long past time. Well, talk to me about the Baxter brothers and the mysterious Ghost Rider plot. That sounds like the name of one of their books. The Baxter <laughs> Brothers and the, the mysterious Ghost Rider plot. I found this very confusing, and I admittedly watched the show while I was painting my kitchen cabinet, so maybe I was, like, you know, not fully engaged. But, okay, so it seems like there's this fictional series of books, right, called The Baxter Brothers, and it's like the Hardy Boys type of thing, Nancy Drew situation. And it started at the Stonewall Prep, and they have this ghostwriter that has this contract. Say things. Tell me. So, essentially, 
the franchise has not relied on the use of one writer for its entire existence. It's become a multi-million dollar empire, and every few books, as the, the teacher or headmaster, whoever that guy was, as he explains, every so often they change writers. Well, the changing of the writers has various means and methods. Some of them get killed. And then also, they pluck their writers from Stonewall Prep, and they have this writing class, which was initially taught by Sam Witwer's character, compete for it. Well, apparently part of the competition, we find out when they wrap up this mystery, is that some of the people have to act out what they're about to write and then write about it, and then whoever writes it the best gets the contract. I did like that just as a device within the canon of saying, like, this is how we like find the next book. You can't just write the perfect murder. If it's really that perfect, pull it off. And then you get to take over the franchise. I liked that that kind of, without having a lot of lead up with the Baxter brothers, they kind of were able to easily drop in a bloody history to that and then kind of raise the stakes for Jughead, who is smack dab in the middle of it as he often finds himself. But I highly disliked the Scooby-Doo meets Sherlock Holmes retelling of how the mystery was solved. I thought that was... I think they were trying to rush to wrap it up, and so they plucked a device from other better mysteries, which maybe was an homage, but it ended up being really boring, and we had to re-watch a lot of stuff that... And for me, I don't think it tied it all together in a way that felt satisfying. Yeah, I think that was a lot of why that whole thing kind of bothered me, was that it just... It was like, here, let's real quick wrap it up right now. We got to be done. And I'm like, why do you have to be done, though? Like, I would kind of buy it a little bit more if it was like the season finale and you're trying to, like, finish it up in one episode. But they had so many more episodes that they could have, like, drawn that out into that I think that's part of why that whole plotline bothered me a lot. There's so much exposition needed for this to have so very little payoff in the end, I guess. They just really wanted maybe it to be the grandpa, and I was glad to meet Jughead's grandpa. Like, that was cool, but, eh. Yeah. Well, cool, and this is, issues. this is really yeah. more, not necessarily a show gripe, just an ongoing problematic film industry thing. Our Stonewall Prep group, which are the only students we will ever see in this sprawling campus, are... Super evil, stupid white man who I didn't like. Super <laughs> so evil, like, quietly evil white girl who I didn't like. A black kid and an Asian girl. And guess who dies and who lives? Oh, did you guess that the white people live? Because you're right. You've <laughs> got a first class ticket to a bad reality. The whole Stonewall prep plot line, like all of it, it was very reminiscent of my high school, which was not a great experience for me. I know, I think a couple of you know where I went to high school. It's not a boarding school, but it is a very white and very rich school. And so having those characters gave me a little bit of PTSD because I grew up with those people like I grew up with people that if they needed to kill somebody to get ahead in the game they would doing a separate podcast about that (laughs) I thought I I I knew where you went to high school but now I don't know I know where later I like I think I know see moose for like two seconds yep that cup of coffee with moose who now went by Marmaduke (laughs) back that that's a real name I just can't fathom as far as I knew, Marmaduke was the name of a dog. Yep, a dog. Yeah. Well, Great Dane, there's getting into hijinks. Uh-huh. 
Hi, but I did like getting to see him. I was sad to see him go again. Although I was a little bit done with uh, him and Kevin's ship. Oh, I was done with that too. I just liked him as an actor. Other than Reggie, I think Moose is the most abused character mm-hmm. we see. Like, give yeah. him something or what? Just give him. You guys, guess what? What? There was another musical episode. There was. <laughs> and it's not a musical that I typically enjoy. <gasps> this never gets old for me. I say keep them coming. But I also was a Hedwig fan when it first came out. I think I was a freshman in college, so it was right. Like, it was the popular thing. I don't want to say the Hamilton, but it didn't get that big. But it was like we were all watching it or listening to the soundtrack and I had friends that would go to New York and see it. I'm surprised they picked that musical. I'd be interested to hear why that one or what they were thinking. I thought some of the songs fit really well, but some of them were very strange. So tell me what you thought. Let's get into it. I might cause some waves, and I do not mean to, but I think they picked it because they realized that we have one gay character. Let's do a show that'll speak to that audience. I kind of maybe agree Hedwig is not a show I will say I've never seen it I did try listening to the soundtrack and I didn't get into it but I've also experienced that with other musicals like I tried listening to the fun home soundtrack and I hated it but I saw it on Broadway and I enjoyed it so maybe my feelings for Hedwig would change if I like saw an actual production of it but for me it felt like it was kind of a stretch to pick that show because of the audience that they have I didn't think it was one that they that that audience would actually know well so that was kind of interesting to me as far as a musical episode of a show goes I didn't think it was the worst one I've seen but I didn't love it as much as I liked Heathers. Kylie, did you have a thought? So I have stage managed this musical for uh, Fringe Theatre Company and I stage managed that production and we have a very good mutual friend who also does some of our panels, Jordan, who played Hedwig. I, I would disagree a little in the sense that I do not think it's a show they pick just to appeal to a gay audience. I think that's oversimplifying what Hedwig is about. Hedwig is about being disenfranchised generally. It's about wanting something in the world and feeling as if the world doesn't accept you for who you are. And I think that is a recurring theme that happens throughout Riverdale. Now, Hedwig also is a very adult musical, so I will also go on the flip side and say, is it an appropriate selection for Riverdale considering that your primary audience is going to be in high school or college. I mean, it's clearly an 18 to 24 show. We're all not in that age group and we're watching it, but that's who they're gearing it toward. And are, are, is the audience on that receiving end likely to understand the themes of Hedwig and the Angry Inch when you're not putting it in the context of the show? I don't know. I think some of the songs worked really well. Wicked Little Town, which is one of the numbers in the show, was the opening in the musical episode. Jughead was the Cole Sprouse. Oh my gosh, he has pipes. I might be, it's weird, he was Ben and Friends, but I have a tiny little like, oh, he's a cutie. He did a really great job opening that number, and that is a perfect song for this show. Other songs, like, what's the one called where it's a bunch of screaming? I'm all, I'm all torn up. Is that it? Exquisite Corpse. It's called Exquisite Corpse. That one, not as appropriate for the show because that implies that all four of those characters are really in a much darker, deeper kind of circling the drain place than where they really are. And I just thought, well, 
they put it in there and it's nice they sang it all right but does it work for the context no so I will agree with Emily's last comment where you know it wasn't my least favorite I think Carrie is the worst one so far but I do think Heather's was better I like Hedwig as a musical better than Heather's as a musical because I have deep-seated dissatisfied feelings with how they keep making 80s movies into musicals but I think the Heather's musical episode was better than the Hedwig musical episode yeah I think with the Heather's musical episode everything just fit so well it all just really was kind of perfect for what was going on in the episode I feel like they picked Hedwig and I feel like they decided to do another musical episode and they're like oh crap what show should we do let's like google musicals about disenfranchised people and that was the first one that came up because it didn't like totally connect for me and being a theater person like I recognized the show and knew about it but I feel like this show doesn't really play towards the theater people necessarily so I think your general audience for Riverdale wouldn't really know about Hedwig and wouldn't really know what the show is actually about. And so then it doesn't connect with like, okay, this show's really about people not feeling like they fit in to where they are or who they are. And so it just, it didn't really work for me. I, I have this weird thing where I love to see high school students doing shows about high school students. So I think when they picked Heathers and, and Carrie, I was like, oh, those are about like high school things. And I like that in real life. I do. I work at a high school and I love it when we pick shows that are like, what's going on? I, I don't love it when high schools try to do South Pacific because I'm like, this is not translating well. You never have the right races and these people don't get just a pet peeve of mine. I'd rather see youths doing youth musicals. So, you know, they should be in those roles. So it would be very interesting to hear why they picked Hedwig. I, again, I love it, but I don't, I want to know what writer or producer was like, you know what it is this year, you guys? Hedwig. One of the writers of the music that worked with John Cameron Mitchell and stuff, he actually, I read this and I might regret, I might not get it right, so I might regret this saying this, but I read that he actually approached Riverdale and said, I see you're doing musicals. What about Hedwig and the Angry Inch? And had helped them with some of their musical adaptations in the past, I think. Oh. So I think that's how Hedwig, because I had the same question. Like, why of all the musicals in all the world, and there are other musicals about high school, including recent ones, they just made Mean Girls a musical. That would be fun to, like, <laughs> put into the Riverdale context. Just for the Riverdale's sake, jeez, Micah. But, you, know. uh, you, get, you get, and this goes for any anything, real life, anything. You get Mean Girls or Heathers. Mean Girls is literally... You can't have both. Doing the same to two of them. Stop that's making fetch a thing. Fetch it's so redundant. I get it. I mean, there, there were there, other shows, too. You know what? The other one that actually would have probably fit really well into the Riverdale universe is one that people don't know all that much, and it was barely on Broadway, but Be More Chill. That one, actually, it's about high schoolers, and it kind of fits in with some of the other stuff that they have going on. So, like, that would have been a great one to do. Or I would have even bought another musical that wasn't necessarily about high schoolers. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of other ones that are, like, about fitting in and that sort of thing. Well, there's, there's so the prom. Yeah, the prom. 
I that one probably they probably couldn't do anything with because Netflix is getting ready to release that yeah. movie. But who knows? That one would have been another great one. I just think Hedwig kind of missed the mark. I think that they gave Casey Cott some good numbers. I thought he did really good on Tear Me Down. And at the end, Midnight Radio was a great way to close it down. Wig in a Box was surprisingly not my favorite, and that's one of my favorite songs from the show. But they kind of took the tone and flipped it on its end, and I just didn't really need that. But I have to I have to highlight Sugar Daddy, because who conceived that? That was like gross they were like waggling their booties in their principal's face i was like you're trying to convince him to do hedwig by putting your privates in his face i don't understand like so many of us have done before in any persuasive argument yeah (laughs) student council is all about yeah right sure well i just come back to the idea that any of these characters are so disenfranchised maybe the kevin character but even as his character goes he has an accepting father now he's gotten through a lot of things they they've kind of shunted him to the side in a way especially in season four that but it's not like a disenfranchisement that actually i think is matched by what is being spoken about and Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and that's that's where I was at. It would be one thing to make the argument that this is a high school age appropriate show. It's not. But even if you wanted to say that somehow it was, you should be drawing upon the theme and trying to make the argument that these characters actually work within that theme, and I just don't think that's that's what happened. So well, I- especially because this time they weren't trying to do the whole musical. He just wanted to sing Tear Me Down at the talent show, and there's nothing really explicitly weird or inappropriate and tear me down for him to do i don't it was it was a loose argument it's like they had this idea and they had to weave it into the show so they they got they really hit wicked little town on the head that was perfect but everything else is just kind of a little like cramming it into the wrong place and again i still was shaking with joy the entire time so please (laughs) don't don't get it twisted and i will watch these songs on youtube like all the time so I will say I really liked when Betty and Archie were singing together. KJ Appa actually has a really beautiful voice. He's in a band in real mm-hmm. life, I believe. So I liked when they were kind of doing that whole little montage. And like Micah and I talked about, we do ship Archie. <laughs> so that was giving us that. <laughs> and Jessica <Thank> too. <laughs> yeah, um, it was Origin of Love, the big yeah. love ballad of the show. It's one of the big yeah. songs. And I think they did that one reasonable justice. Yeah. I mean, I know we talk about a lot how it's very incongruous between the drama of the show and then, like, having to actually be, like, a student. And, like, there are rules in society that you have to follow. And they just, like, no, we haven't been to school for 34 days, but, bro, it's cool. Our grades are fine. But, like, (laughs) as much as I love Kevin, a student cannot direct a high school production in any district on this planet. I guarantee you it is not legal. It is not allowed. It's not a good idea because I don't care how much musicals you've watched. If you are not in your 20s, I do not trust you to direct a good, and it's a high school production, it's not going to be that good anyway, but to, like, to be able to fully encompass a director? Are you, ki- are you kidding me? That, was, that one, I've, having, I've been having troubles with that since the Carrie thing. I was like, you don't know how to direct a show, my friend. There is no community theater in Riverdale. Where would you have honed your craft? Where, where, who, de- who designed the sets and the lights? Where were they owning their craft? 
how did any of this, sorry, it's, um, it's a theater thing, I'm like, you can't just make theater happen in any town you want. In case you didn't know, we're from a really big theater community. <laughs> well, they also but, didn't have, like, a coach for the River Vixens, and then they tried to make them have a coach this year, and the girls were, like, totally mad about it, and I was like, why are you mad about that? Like, you should have a coach. Who's doing all the things for you people? Maybe if you had a coach, working in front of your prep principal. Yeah. What's that tangent? This was a nice example so that the crusty old principal could be crusty. What's he crusty? He's like 35. He's like, no. (laughs) I don't think that that's really appropriate. And then, like, the viewers are supposed to be like, oh, he's so ruthless and mean. I personally have not seen this musical, but I can only assume it's fun. Well, right. And also, the the fact. The yeah. fact that, like, they we were supposed to root for the teens to go against what the principal was asking. We were supposed to root for them to not follow yeah. the rules, which I'm not saying he was right or wrong, but I am a rule follower. And I if a principal says that's not appropriate, then maybe we should follow it. I don't know. That's <laughs> I, I'm just a crazy, I don't, I don't know. It makes we're all closer to the parents' ages in the show, but most of the time we're always like, yeah, teens, we get you. And then it was this episode, I was just like, I mean, guys, can you can you see where he's coming from here for a second? Take the hot pants off, put on some long pants, and sing a normal song that doesn't have your butt in anyone's face. That's all we want. The previous principal was like, we're going to let all these poor kids in, but then we're going to treat them like second-class citizens in a police state. And they were like, rage against the machine. And then this guy was like, the children don't do sexy on stage. And they were like, rage against the machine. Like, That's the Maybe they should have... Maybe they should have sang, like, Revolting Children from Matilda. Now I want them to sing Rage Against Machine. Jessica, were you trying to talk before? Yeah, Jessica, what was your thought? I don't mean to sound naive, but they really don't do student-directed plays, or was that just my small town that we had student-directed things? We did as well in my small town, but they were, it was like a small one act at the end of the year. No, ours weren't even one acts. Like, we did... Honestly, now and other shows and. But was there an adult? Was there like a faculty advisor? She was never there. <laughs> That's, That's my thing. Is you can't you can't do that. That's <laughs> well, you, but yeah. just Jessica has proved that there is actually a thing out there where it, it's real. That's <laughs> well, small sound life, man. Betty Cooper. <laughs> I I swear I'm not Betty Cooper, guys. <laughs> Every time, every time Nate says that's small town in America for you, take a drink. <laughs> Hashtag small town America. If you're listening needs- to this from small town America, tweet at us at CPU Podcast and let us know if we're Were you a life. victim of gross n- adult neglect during your theater <laughs> career in high school? Please tweet at us with your stories. Make a documentary to blow this whole thing open. Obscenely lax attendance policy at your school? <laughs> I feel like our Twitter's going to get a whole lot of interesting conversations tweeted at it now. Small Town Batman. (laughs) Theater. (laughs) Joshua Jackson. But this just proves that we would be open and willing to accept, you know, at least a fraction of the Riverdale stuff. (laughs) But they're not selling it to us completely. Maybe Nate, because he's still Betty Cooper. But, you know. He's still... I still think they should just let us cast the musical numbers like we mentioned in the last podcast. So this kind of brings us to sort of the end of season four. It wrapped up rather abruptly 
with a, I called it a teaching Mrs. Tingle satire. I don't know if any of you are fans of that movie. It's a Kevin Williamson movie. Again, the creator of Dawson's Creek. And it's a whole movie about students that kidnap their teacher and plan to kill her. It's a whole thing. And they kind of did a takeoff episode with Mr. Honey. We know that wasn't the planned ending, but it was part of the forced ending due to the COVID pandemic. But this kind of draws a little bow around the whole videotapes, who sent them and what's going on, because they kind of escalate with the Betty, person wearing the Betty mask, beating up Jughead. And then we had somebody with a mask killing Mr. Honey on the videotape. So what were your thoughts about that ending? Did it make any sense? Did you like it? What I liked thoughts? the masks because it was paying homage to the old, like, original Archie comics. But yeah. other than that, I was just confused the whole time. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was very confused. I was a little confused myself. I wondered where they were going. And probably the answer would have been post-pandemic episodes if they were, the, were allowed to show them, but... How did it relate to the videotapes? What is going on with the videotapes? I definitely thought Honey was the one behind those. Mm -hmm. But then he got killed on one, and it's like, I don't know, that's a pretty solid alibi. <laughs> and then he did the whole thing where he faked one, where everybody was like, hey, idiot, like, <laughs> you filmed this wrong. <laughs> You're dumb. We saw your face. And what were they interrogating him for when they did kidnap him? I can't even remember. But they didn't really kidnap him. It was just a no. story that they were acting out. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was what Jughead was writing so he could, like, get into Iowa State. Yeah. Do you think they're trying to foreshadow his death? Mr. Honey's mm -hmm. death? Yeah. I thought, they, yeah. I thought he's going to go be the principal of Stonewall Prep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he I points that out. They tripled his salary. Yeah, that was, was right before Secretary Supermemory came in <laughs> and could tell you the, give you a personnel review of all of the principles she's had. Allow me to read the minutes. <laughs> <laughs> From the last 12 years of faculty yeah, meetings. All More of than them. 12. Then, but my thing was like, where did they get the caricature artist and who made the masks? Because in this reference, you have cartoon versions of some students from Riverdale and you had them molded and turned into masks and you all wear them when you fake kill the Mr. Honey character right down to a plastic jughead crown on the jughead mask. I was just like, wait, where are you getting all these masks? You made the, masks the one are or, us maybe. Well, I, I mean, Online, if you know, Amazon? Like, is, Party city. it probably used to be the community theater and now it's creepy character mask hut. Apparently yeah. they're just uh, a My vote's Etsy. It's <laughs> the artisan community in Riverdale that we never see. It's just, it's it's like Soho down there, man. It's just well, art. We know, we know they have a voyeur film producer, director, so. Maybe their yes. side hustle is mask making? Yeah. <laughs> well, what That's what a lot of people another, are doing in quarantine now. No, because they another back. Riverdale workaholic. <laughs> where'd they get all those, where'd they get all those gargoyle masks? You know, where'd they get, where'd, I think they were like serpent masks or some other like, against that they had all the hoods from there's probably you know it's a small town but maybe they did have a community theater and there's a board costume designer that's just like selling this stuff out of her basement emily is it you will we be seeing <laughs> you next season it's me <laughs> season five y'all i'm selling other stuff out of my basement well it's not out of my basement i guess technically it's my bedroom but it's not masks <laughs> so 
I guess that wrapped up my question. That didn't work for anybody on any level then, the the way it ended. No, maybe there'll be more when they premiere the season, but yeah, I was left with... I mean, I thought it ended in a reasonably creepy spot. I messaged the group with that, like, okay, I'm intrigued to see where this is going, but right now I'm just baffled. I kind of think this next one needs to be the last one. I don't, yeah. I don't know. There isn't a good enough metric right now, I think, for them to be able to keep spinning these. Like, a lot of people will complain about Supernatural, but, like, every season had its big bad evil guy. And that's a lot easier to do in that lore, because you can literally pull that from any culture anywhere. But, like, there's only so much you can do in a small town, and as Save the Bell showed us, you cannot survive the college jump like boy meets world was the only one that made it and it didn't even really make it we all watched the college episodes like after the show was done and we could watch them all together like no show successfully makes it past the college jump you can't do it i think dawson's yeah, creek was fine too much in love if anybody would like to join a dawson's creek panel that sarah yeah. will probably moderate please let us know Tweet at us, if you podcast. Yeah, Lots agree. of tweets coming in today. I know, right? The the issue also is that these aren't liter- these aren't real life teens. These are these are all people in their twenties, late twenties. So you can't. This show's not going to go on for ten more years, and you know time will will catch up to their faces. I I hope. Speaking as someone who is on the north side of everyone on the cast, yeah, you can only go so long. Cabot Cove only had so many murders happen before they had Jessica go visiting family and friends across the great nation. There's only so many stories you can tell in Riverdale, and their lives are too diverse to assume they're all going to go to Riverdale University. Yeah, I can't imagine them all going to the same college and it being a stone's throw away. That would be A, very Buffy-esque, and B, I just couldn't buy it. Not with all the storytelling they did this season about... Yale, and I didn't get into Yale, and I'm so sad about Yale, and then I'm not going to Yale because screw the Stonewall Prep people, Iowa writing program, two thumbs up. And then Archie trying to go through community college, maybe, because his life, you know, he's been in prison, so he's got a lot of stuff to work out. That does remind me of a good Cheryl Tony moment from this season. Cheryl used her connections to get an interview for a school and then gave the interview to Tony. I did like that. That was just some solid being a human for once. Tony does humanize Cheryl a lot. And I did, you know, I, I haven't spoken a lot about those two, but they're the they're the characters that I don't necessarily need to see. But when they're on, I you know, I enjoy them. It's not like they're, they're all right. They're fun to watch. Cheryl's still fun to be Cheryl. With her red hair and sassy mouth. We know there is a season five. It's filming now. It is. Are you going to continue watching? Will you recommend to other people? And give us your star ranking on, you know, a scale of one to five. One being low, five being like, yes, amazing. I will continue to watch just to see if it does get a redemption after the rockiness of season three and the hit and miss of season four. I don't think I would recommend it anymore, though. Like, if you haven't already started watching it, I wouldn't say pick it up right now. There's other things that you can use to fill your time with. And I'm at, like, a low four. I won't do half ratings. I'm at a very low four, though. Like, pushing three. I kind of agree with Jessica. 
I would say I probably, I would maybe recommend it to the right person. I don't think this is one that like just anyone can pick up and watch. You kind of maybe already have to be either invested in the Archie comics or interested in the Archie comics or have maybe like started with season one and then didn't go back to it. I'd say, yeah, you could go back to it if you wanted to. I think I'm probably at a four, three and a half, four. I know we hate those half stars. Halves aren't as bad as the other silly fractions. <laughs> three and three quarters, yeah. <laughs> 3.75 stars. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably watch season five because I will cut them a break with COVID. I think, I thought I saw that they were picking up and filming the rest of the season four episodes they're going to release those and then they'll release season five so i'll keep watching and see what happens but i don't know i'll probably make it through season five but i don't know if i'd keep going after that depending on what happens i am a completionist in general it takes I don't, I can't even think of a show that I just flat dropped after being invested in it at any point. I mean, me and Kylie, we're both caught up on Supernatural. It's been 15 years, and like yeah. a good amount of those years were bad. I don't agree with that assessment because I love it. <laughs> horrifically, the Leviathan arc, get out of here. Well, everybody agrees about that, Micah, but that's not several years. Anyway. And yet, and yet we survived it by more than double of the length of that of those seasons. So I don't, I really don't think there's anything Riverdale could do in this next season to dissuade me from watching it. I just think, like, shows with me, it's either, like, I watch it week by week because I don't care about the binging thing. I want to be up to date all the time. Mm -hmm. I watch it when the seasons drop on Netflix, or I don't watch it at all. I think Riverdale might drop back to just the watching it when the seasons come out and not having it be a priority. But, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say I'm a high three. Not a three and a half. I'm, I'm like holding steady, going down the highway. I'm not looking to exit, but I just, I'm not like gunning it anymore. It's it's a show that I watch, and I'm going to keep watching it. I don't really think I would recommend it to anybody else to watch. Because like, as long as I've got a group, if I've got somebody that I can talk about a show with, I'm happy. And that's you guys. And there's at home in small town America. So... <laughs> I'm sated in terms of Riverdale community. I don't think I need to bring anybody else into the fold. And it's tough, because people know about the show. Most people have tried the show, and a lot of people, it's a very strong, very strong reaction to it. So, a little bit of a guilty pleasure. For me, I'm going to be, I'm still going to be watching. I'm all in on Riverdale. This show is bonkers, and I love its bonkerness. My wife, not a fan. She she watches, like, one episode with me, and she's like, What? Why? Where are these parents? Why are they only in the show for 30 seconds? They should be grounding these children. But for me, you know, it's like, it's, it's just going to get weirder. It's going to get more outlandish, and I don't care. That's what I signed on for. Like, you know, from the lily-white, clean, all-American kids of the Archie comics to, you know... Veronica's dad is a mobster. Jughead was homeless for a short time. And it's like, it's already off the rails as far as the Archie world goes. I just want to see how far this thing's going to ride off these rails. And that's why, you know, so I'm, I'm always looking forward to it. Sometimes, you know, like I, I watched all 19 episodes between Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. Like, as a, like you know, when it was like 1230 
and the last episode that I watched that night was starting up though. Like it, the show ended, and I went, "What?" And I was so happy that here it comes. It's right here. I didn't have to wait. I'm very lucky. It's like how I read all seven Harry Potter books back to back to back when my son was learning to read to show him how cool reading was. I was lucky that I didn't have to wait 30 jillion years between between the books. I was ready. I'm in it. And I love it. And I'll never leave. To clarify for any listeners who are concerned about Nate's health, he means the Friday afternoon and a Saturday morning of different weeks. He doesn't just mean in eight hours he had five TVs going and watched the season at once. Oh, yeah. I watched 19 hours. Yeah. Straight? No, I did take a two-hour break. Oh, man. Uh, that's hardcore i was like i was like i got this podcast on sunday and i have slacked off very badly i mean i I was watching episodes up until about 2 30 so 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 that spirit halloween has a very very nice Southside serpents jacket nate go pick yourself up one you've earned it more than anyone else i know (laughs) nate do you give it five out of five then yeah that's why i said five out of five I'm, i'm staying on this crazy train till till it's out of gas I am I'm 100% on board. So I'm also a completionist, and I feel like I've been let down the road this far, but I don't have good feelings about this upcoming season. With so, ma- so many fewer of the adult characters who I like, and the fact that we ended in such a really weird spot, not just COVID weird, but weird for where even this season was going to begin with, I don't have good feelings about what's coming up. So I am going to keep watching. Also, I like to see all of you, and we love the couch potatoes united on our couches. Do I recommend it? So it's real funny, because when I tell people, they ask me what I'm watching right now, usually for the podcast, and I say Riverdale, I get, oh, should I watch that? And I'm like, well... And then I have to qualify, you you could try it, but this is what, go in with no expectations about anything, and then be prepared to not form any, because you'll have to change them like 20 times. So the answer I think is no, I don't recommend Riverdale. I, I don't even know who I would recommend Riverdale to, and there's a lot of very open-minded TV watchers in my life, and I think the people watching Riverdale are the ones on the panel, so I think that's it. I would rate it a three. I'm still at a three. It hasn't shifted. I There are things that I like and things that I don't. Three is a little low for my normal will to complete, but I'm invested like in some of the characters. I really like Jughead. I will jump the shark if Cole Sprouse leaves the show and they try to keep going. I will, I will end... Riverdale. It'll be done, but every everything else I'm willing to hold on for. Well, the good news is if he quits, he has a twin brother. They could just slide him right in. He <laughs> wouldn't even notice. I would. I would. Nice. I would. <laughs> Having been a massive Dylan and Cole Sprouse fan since I was very young, I would 100% notice. Well, it's nothing against Dylan, but he is much stockier than Cole is. <laughs> like he is like his face is fuller his body is fuller yep i'm not saying he's like big like chunky but like he's a healthier <laughs> figure Jughead is very like 80s rock and roll slim where you're like yeah. is, does he eat okay film him <laughs> eating, but if they didn't film him eating i wouldn't i don't think he's, he's not, is he okay is he all right well I will continue to watch the show because I'm moderating this podcast, so I don't have a choice. So I, luckily, I don't even have to consider it. I just have to watch it. I don't know if I would 
watch it otherwise, but I don't know if I would have started watching it anyway if Sarah wasn't on it. So it's not really my usual cup of tea, but I do enjoy my time with it. Even when it's absurd, it's at least entertaining for me. So I'm going to keep watching until the end. It does help that it I, I watch it on Netflix, so I'm like Nate. I like that I can just watch it back to back to back, and then I don't have to like keep my brain on, oh, what happened last week on that? No, I can just watch it all in one loop over a couple week, days or weeks. So, I mean, that helps me. I don't get asked often to recommend television shows to people. People don't usually ask me that. I would recommend it to somebody who likes dark things and high school dramas. And so I don't know who that person is, but if I come across them, I would throw this one out for them. I've had students that watch this that they're like, hey, did you watch? You know, they want to talk about it with me. So, but I'd feel weird recommending it to a student because it's a little sexual. I think I'm going to stick I with a three. Really like this, and then your HR department comes and sees you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with Kylie on the, my rating. I give it a three out of five. There are points where it's higher than that. It doesn't work down there all the time, but overall, it's a solid three for me. Three out of five. Is there anything you guys want to mention that we haven't covered? I do. What's on your mind? I didn't like Grandpa Jones. You did not? No. Here's why I didn't like him. I want it because they have done such a great job of referencing 80s and 90s movies. I wanted, like, his grandpa to be played by the principal from The Breakfast Club. He died. Yeah, he's dead. He's not alive. Okay. But, but, you know, someone of that ilk, somebody who was an authority figure. Hell, bring in John Lithgow, who was the, the city councilman who banned dancing. You know, just like some sort of subtle nod, because they have Molly Ringwald and Luke Perry be Archie's parents. You know, and so I think that have the yeah. Jughead lineage hit some sort of like movie, 80s, 90s movie, pop culture milestone mm-hmm. senior character to be Grandpa Jones would have been better. I mean, nothing against Mr. Weber, who has film credentials of his own, but it just didn't, it didn't, it was like, I was just like, oh, oh, that's not who I wanted. John Lithgow has Oscars, but we can dream that he'd want to do Riverdale. Right. Well, I mean, he, he did third Winston rock. Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I was okay with not having it be somebody big because it wasn't like that whole plot line wasn't a huge thing. Like it was, they mentioned it a little bit, and so I was kind of okay that it wasn't somebody big. I, it would have been cool if it had been like a nice '80s pop culture reference or something, but it didn't bother me. I had to Google this just to make sure I wasn't mistaking them for each other but for emily and kylie and jessica to an extent for once upon a time timothy weber played mickey mouse i mean they didn't call him that but he was the sorcerer's apprentice he got turned into a that's right that's where i saw that guy (laughs) yep the only other thing i think we didn't cover didn't wasn't archie at war with a drug lord for a little bit yeah yep oh yeah because we mentioned for the yeah, yeah, that was, that was normal Riverdale stuff. We didn't need to touch on that. that Just like his uncle being the drunk and the, oh, you know, yeah. bringing all the guys home and, you know, partying with them and everything instead of actually, like, trying to step up and, and be Fred Andrews. It was, like, a weird little weird little moment there. I forgot too. about the uncle. What? Archie's stuff all revolved around the gym as the community center. Mm-hmm. And it was only slightly less annoying than Veronica's storylines. We had Azura Sky back as the yeah. mom. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not back. We see her sometimes. She's another Sam Witwer. She pops up in all these nerdy oh. vehicles. And she was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was the ghost that comes back and pretends to be Tara. In in Riverdale. Oh, she was the mom of the drug dealer that died. Oh. Well, you oh. beat up real bad. Didn't actually look old enough to be his mother, but was in fact his mother. Yeah. Yeah, because she's got to be in her 40s. Um, we also didn't mention what's Veronica's sister, Hermione. Hermosa. 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 I didn't like her for even a single second. That I was hated not. everything. <laughs> that was practically Jonathan Shark territory, quite honestly. That's the truth. Plus his ham-fisted, ooh, maybe she's going to have like a romantic thing with, I can't even remember because I didn't like it that much. Get out of here. No, Get out of here. that was hated terribly it. set up, terribly executed. Where did she go? Who the heck knows? No one cares. Jump the shark. That's classic jump the shark. Introduce a new character for Spice. Don't actually develop them. And, like, who... Who was her? Who was her mom? Like, was it Hermione? Like, do, do we know? No, it was some lady no, in Florida. Like she's, yeah, and her mom. Yeah. Right. that's right. I yeah, I hated that. And then she was really awful. And then she tried to help them for like fifteen seconds when, with all of the Stonewall prep kids, and she was like, "Guess what? What's her face's grandma wrote one of the books?" And yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that Veronica's storyline with her obsession with her dad, wasn't already kind of creepy and off-putting, I probably would have stopped watching the show with Hermosa. But they had already introduced kind of that jealous, obsessive tendency between those two characters. So throwing in Hermosa just really made it ickier, but didn't do much else for me. They didn't make her likable at all, so it was hard to just right. even care. Yeah. Right, it wasn't even like, you love to hate her. You actually were just mad that she existed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just like, nah, get off the TV. Did give Veronica, like, some sympathy points just by being in the same room with her. <laughs> yeah. And I have a question. Yeah. Did anybody watch the spinoff, Kate Keene? No, and I don't want to, but I sense you're going to make us. No, nobody has to be made. I was. If you wanted to, we could do a separate spinoff panel for the one season. It's it never struck my fancy. But no. If it had been called, like, Josie and the Pussycats, the show, I would have watched that. But the fact that they're like, I'm going to New York. And I was like, cool. It's like, hey, Josie's going to New York. I was like, cool. To be the sidekick in the show about Lucy Hale, who needs, I guess, another show. That she never <laughs> gets to keep. She's always canceled. There's a <laughs> so. reason for it, maybe. Poor Lucy Hale. Maybe she takes a step back, focuses on the craft, reevaluates who she is as an actress, stops doing all this fluff stuff. You can't recapture that pretty little liar's, like, high that she's chasing. Never watched the show, but apparently it was a big deal. Yeah. I'm annoyed by I Lucy. I watched Hale. it religiously for a while, but it lost it. Nate, you have no interest in the Katie Native? Oh, did Nate have interest? I thought you said native, and I kept wondering, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, I was like, Is there native interest? I was like, mm. No. Do you, Nate, uh, have yes. interest in watching Katie Keene? I would. I will watch it. I haven't yet. But yeah, it's a one. it was one and done. I did also not like how they were like, you know, where she was like, yeah, well, no, I'm getting a spinoff where I'm also going to play second banana. You know, like, what can, like that's not how that's not how spinoffs normally work. Yeah, I, I'd watch. Why not? I like to watch TV. I just thought of all the people who might be interested in watching it, it would start with the people watching the Riverdale from whence the show spun off. <laughs> if you can say with 
clear conscience that it is as comparably good to its parent series as Once Upon a Time in Wonderland was to its parent series, then I will give it a chance at some point. Well, you know that's not going to be the truth. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> and it's going to be a no Telling me that it's going to be a Cheers Frasier sit. <laughs> I will be 100% on board. board. <laughs> yeah, we're setting the bar a little high. <laughs> but if you change your mind before I advertise, let me know. Sarah, did you want to say anything else? <laughs> no, I, I was going to say if we've covered it all. I'll just throw it back to Kylie. I guess I'll catch it. And when I catch it, I'll say thanks to Nate and Emily and Micah and Jessica for joining Sarah and I to talk about Riverdale Season 4. Thanks to Sarah for once again moderating this bonkers show. That's Nate's word. And since we've gone through this bonkers analysis of Riverdale Season 4, it's now time to roll the credits. Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation Point was produced by Back Pocket Productions, run by yours truly, the Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piette. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast, and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kaus Resmer. Kaus played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book. By email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at couchpotatoesunite, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point! Until the next time, all available seasons of Riverdale are available to stream on Netflix, which currently has the CW contract, even if we don't have any contractual obligation to say that unofficial non-sponsor. Meanwhile, Season 5 is slated to premiere on The CW in January 2021. The official premiere date has not yet been announced at the time of recording and was, of course, delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic. So stay tuned. We'll try to keep you abreast as we learn more details. In addition, our Riverdale series panel will next reconvene sometime in 2021, whenever this may be, to discuss Season 5. So as always, keep a weathered eye to Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point for all the details! In the meantime, and until next time, until next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening, keep watching, stay tuned! Bye! Bye. Bye.